Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live from Crowdcast. We're live from YouTube. We're also coming to you later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., etc., etc. Whatever you want. Whatever you want to listen is fine. In the future, the world will be different when you... Any way you want it, any way you need it. Oh, I just wanted anyway, to start you want by it, saying, that's the way you need it. Oh, Justin, right, thank you for coming out for my birthday. It's nice to know that I have a friend. Oh, no. You know, Jesus. so it merely <laughs> meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's great seeing Aaron and John, and I got emotional. They got me a fudgy, the whale, Carvel cake. I got all emotional. And then also they got me a shirt that I thought I would. As they do. Uh, you know that I Wait, thought I lost for forever. the audio podcast. Let the Wookie win. Is that what it Let says? Let the Wookie win. My original. Oh, okay. And that is that what. What is that from? Is that from Ghostbusters or one of the other movies you like? No, it's yeah. my old. I had a shirt as a kid that was this, and they got me the shirt from my. Oh, so it's childhood. from the shirt. Like it's yeah, adapted it's the shirt the, based okay. on the shirt. Okay. Shouldn't it be Let the Rookie win? No, it's Wookie. Haven't you ever seen Star Wars, dude? Um, Pete. I feel like you're the Wookiee in this situation. That's true. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up that you have a shirt that says, let Pete win. <laughs> Did you have a good birthday, Pete? I'm sorry. I wasn't there. I was, Alex was sick, Pete. And you know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, no, no, nice. he was sick. You know, I, I know in the biz what that means, mm-hmm. you know, it's cool. The biz, uh, the friendship biz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had already people. told you I wasn't going to be there because it was my father's birthday, which I also missed because I was sick. Oh man, uh, sorry, Pete. Imagine term- if you showed up for Pete's and skipped your dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would oh. never have known. What, wait, yeah. was my dad there? Yes, that was. Yeah, the he part. was drinking like crazy. That up. guy can throw back. He was shit talking you, Alex. Like you <laughs> oh, wouldn't man. believe. We yeah, crazy. he's sick. In the biz, my dad said. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Uh, Well, happy birthday, Pete. Hope you had a good one. Glad you got some presents. Before we jump into it, and we have two great guests for you, last week on the show, we had two other great guests. We had Andre Darlington, who is the writer of Gotham City Cocktails, and Brent Macris, our resident chef de cuisine, if you will. Whoa. And okay. in case you haven't been following along with Alex's the show, French classes are going well. Brett has been curating drinks from the Gotham City Cocktails cookbook, uh, that cookbook, recipe book. I don't know why this is still confusing for me, but... Um, yes, you could call it a food tome. 
Oh, food dump. <laughs> In any case, we are keeping going with it. We are still doing a drink this week. Uh, this week, we are drinking the Gothamite which is a classic. I'm very confused by the fact that I'm not in the window all the way over there. It's weirding me out. Yeah, but right. I love this is it. A little, uh, this is in your wheelhouse, Pete. This is a little vodka-based drink with some control, limoncello, cranberry juice, orange bitters, and I borrowed an amarena cherry from next door. What? what? Oh, that's you living some high-class <laughs> shit. What? Sure what are you in a Long Island City um, penthouse? <laughs> Excuse me. You have any marginal cherries? Yeah. I don't want any of your regular cherries. I want a maraschino cherry. I actually live in a Whole Foods? I thought Whoa. you guys knew yeah. that. I sleep yeah. in the cheese aisle most nights. Every <laughs> white person's dream. Alex has made true. Are you a little uh, mouse? I have um, a, an approximation of the cocktail. I make my own grapefruit-infused vodka, which uh, leaving... Who's um, casually going to say that? I am casually saying it. Uh, so I use some of that, very bitter. Since with when? Some for years i do this i got really? a whole i have a whole cocktail uh situation and problem um and uh it's got some a uh, little bit of aperol in here uh some orange bitters as requested and a little lime it sounds like the one ingredient you included was orange bitters but otherwise just went far afield if you can't be with the one you love love the liquor that's currently in your bar that's right absolutely love the one you're with more. Uh, and if you didn't check out the show last week, the thing that's great about this cookbook is that it is set in Gotham City. Like, it's not your drink of the Batman or anything. So it's fun. It's the sort of drink you might drink if you were in the middle of an earthquake or a Joker attack or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. A time bullet is coming for you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's bring in our yeah. guest that we're having on this week because we have two great ones later on the show jeffrey brown is going to be here but right now we're going to bring in ira marks he's the creator of shark summer an amazing graphic novel that is out right now from <laughs> hello ira how are you thanks for coming hey, on the show yeah Hi. thanks for having me <laughs> no problem so let's talk about shark summer this is a really fun book that just came out it is I don't. Are you legally allowed to say the name of the movie Jaws when talking about this book, or are we? What are you trying to get him to do here, right now? <laughs> Alex? I'm trying to get him in trouble. No, yeah, that's yeah. a great question. You know what? Nobody told me not to. So Jaws, Jaws, Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the book is Jaws. It's about Jaws. It's all Jaws. Well, uh, the idea <laughs> of the book is it's set in kind of in the town that is shooting Jaws that summer in 1974 and sort of goes from there. That's the starting point. Mm -hmm. But it's a Jaws stand-in. Where, where did that initial inspiration come from? Was it just being in love with the movie Jaws or was there some other way into the book? Um, I think, well, part of it is just like a lifetime love of behind the scenes stories. Like, sure, you know, sure. I mean, you guys were talking about a movie called Star Wars briefly earlier. Oh, I mean, yeah, I still haven't heard about that one. <laughs> it's on my list. It's on yeah, my yeah, list. I'm getting to it. But um, but I, you know, like growing up there pre-internet, there was mm -hmm. uh the behind the scenes content you had access to mostly for me at least was like really Star Wars related. So I think every movie for me from there on out came with um like an urge to see the story behind the scenes. It just was like kind of built into how I thought about creativity and entertainment and uh yeah i mean jaws is just an iconic film <laughs> and a behind the scenes adventure uh just seemed like a really fun place to like spend a year working on yeah. a book 
right? Um, so it was kind of that. It was a little bit of what's the perfect movie to do kind of a, an adventure story, and Jaws is just like the perfect adventure story. Um, and it makes a good pitch, right? It's like Goonies, but behind the scenes of Jaws or whatever. Yeah, You could kind of, you could sell it. Easy, yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Now, did you go to, did you grow up near the beach? Did you go to beach towns? Um, have you had a shark encounter? <laughs> your own? Uh, yeah, no, not, no, no real life shark encounter. So sorry, I guess the book is like not as authentic as it really should. <laughs> <laughs> but I did grow up, uh, I grew up in upstate New York, but my family is from the Boston area. So New England beaches are, you know, yes. a big nostalgic. Justin where, right? is about Justin or Pete are about to ask you where in upstate New York because we both grew up sure. there. Oh hell yeah, here we go. It's the upstate New York podcast. I'm from well, I'm from northern New York technically. I'm from ding, uh, ding, ding. a town called Sandy Creek. Holy is, shit! I'm from I grew, went to high school in Central Square. Oh sweet, uh, of course. You know, I probably ran cross country against you. Specifically, <laughs> even at some yes, point. good. We, <laughs> I was not at the front of the pack. I will tell you that. <laughs> Me neither. We were both uh, just <laughs> tall, skinny kids at the back of it. <laughs> True, except for tall and except for skinny. I'm right with you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just guessing. I can only see from you know, like. Yeah. I know. Up, so. I love that you think I'm tall. I'm really the camera's positioned perfectly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the Tom Cruise uh, filming level. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Framed perfectly. <laughs> okay, so we established upstate New York. That's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But let, let's get back to Jaws. Just how much research then did you have to do on that? Or was it just kind of knowing a little bit about the movie process and generally knowing the movie and then going off from there? Yeah, well, uh, with a, I think just at some point in my life, I realized I wanted every book to be uh, a research experience for me mm -hmm. it's just, i mean i love to draw i love to write but i needed like that other layer of challenge i guess at some point so when i had the jaws pitch i hadn't really developed the story much i knew like some of the iconography you know there's like little obviously there's bruce the mechanical shark and how he famously like didn't work well there's like yeah. you know the top yeah. five stories you know but then of course there's little things like did you know that spielberg was really using the the color yellow to like evoke menace uh, because the raft is yellow every time you see a raft in the, you know all these little like uh not conspiracy theories exactly but like patterns that people find when they watch something too much so i started yeah. you know digging into that a little bit and uh you know this air of paranoia and like uh just little visual hints like if you're you could read the story you could get the adventure but i wanted there to be like kind of a deeper reading if you've seen Jaws, there's like way more to take away. And so that led me to reading a couple books. Uh, there's this book called The Jaws Log, which is a really kind of nerdy screenwritery breakdown of like the day to day of making mm -hmm. the film. So, you know, a, a lot of what the kids in the story of Shark Summer are doing behind the scenes of like the day to day of their adventure is like moments from the behind the scenes of Jaws. Like they they're visiting this hotel and it's like, kind of based on the hotel where Spielberg and his editor and his whole team stayed and they made a giant mess of the place like but by the end of the summer you know there's all these little things and that added to um, some of the settings and like little beats and the basically the first half of the book is kind of in the Jaws world and then it kind of like goes on from there I love I feel like movies back then like production was just a little messier it felt yeah. like you know nowadays it feels like Marvel movies, like I'm sure there are problems, but everything is feels slick and there's just so much more money involved. And back then it was like, oh no, no one showed up. 
for some right. reason. Or everyone got drunk last night because we're um, staying yes. in, in Cape Cod or whatever. Like, uh, so I love exploring that. It feels like a lost part of our, our filmmaking culture. Yeah, and I, I really, yeah, there's an authenticity, of course, like 70s cinema is, is like always coined as like being the authentic era of like kind of down and gritty. It, um, and you can see it in the, the casting, right? It's like you're seeing all these local people. Everybody's got a sunburn and like acne scars. Yes. Everybody just looks normal. They look like yeah. <laughs> every, people you hang out with. And then I was thinking about that with um, Marvel stuff the other day, watching Loki and just, I, I like the show, but you could feel that it was like 68 degrees in every scene. Right. Like, yeah. Everybody looks, nobody's sweating. There, yeah. There's no humidity. <laughs> Jaws is yeah. like the opposite. It's sandy yeah, look, and wet. <laughs> we miss those authentic mistakes. And now we only focus on like, there's a water bottle in that perfectly positioned <laughs> studio you shot this in. Yeah, that's all that's left is like to find that thing. Yeah. Uh, this is a question here for the comments. Does this book cover the making the animatronic shark? And I think it's probably important to point out this isn't a making of Jaws book <laughs> yeah. necessarily. Yeah. The, the right. Jaws thing really is, uh, I don't know, a springboard, I guess, for the rest of the story. So could you talk more yeah. about that aspect of the plot? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. We just kind of blew right past what the hell this thing is in the first place. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 an adventure graphic novel. It's kind of a, a creepy Scooby-Doo-ish mystery on, on just like a really base level. There, there's more to it than that. Um, so it, it begins kind of like that iconic summer of Jaws with a group of friends kind of coming together to uh, with the plans of making a film for this film festival to win some money to save this girl Gail's mom's ice cream shop. So it's a real like kids on an adventure, you know, riding bikes around sunsets and beaches and sarcasm and, and all the things that you get from <laughs> like kind of a, you know, an eighties flavored uh, kids adventure story. But okay. yeah, I mean, the Jaws setting is kind of that extra layer of the onion. It's setting a context. I, I think it's just a perfect summer setting because it's such an iconic summer that's like captured on film but it's also, it's totally fleeting. Like you could never really have that summer again, but it's somehow like, you know, captured in our imaginations, like collectively. So, you know, that's kind of the use of Jaws at a base level, but then it gets into like a weird cult backstory to the island and then some like real deep specific history. Like if you're, if you know Martha's Vineyard, like you're going to get a lot of out of this book as well. It's not really just as much about, it's more about the island than it is about Jaws, really. Like Jaws was influenced by the island in a lot of ways, right? When they got there, like, you know, a lot of the choices were made about what the movie was going to be. Those um, islands are weird. Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, they're like yeah. this weird mix of like rich people go there, but the, also the people that live there, it's a very dark place when it's not summertime. So like, I love yeah. that as the setting as well. Yeah, and that's, right. that's, that's stuff. I mean, that's a lot of New England in general, right? It's like yeah. you you get this one interpretation when you're a kid, but then as you get a little older, you start to see all those things differently. And I, I wanted, you know, this is a middle grade book. Like, of course, I want people of all ages to enjoy it, but I kind of wanted it to be about that for kids because, you know, around 10, you're kind of starting to figure that stuff out. You're like, oh, yeah, these buildings had people that are now dead living in them. And like, <laughs> you know, like all that kind of, you know, you see the creepy stuff first, of course. Like, that's, yeah. that's the cool thing to notice. But uh, yeah, I wanted to be about that kind of dark, gothic, New England, 
you know, Hawthorne, like Lovecrafty bit. I wanted all those kind of flavors in there. Yeah, why is everyone in town looking wistfully to the sea? Like they <laughs> lost something here. That's when you start to really notice uh, <laughs> vacant stares. Yes. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about the group of characters and what the inspiration behind them was? Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, we've got four kids and they all kind of like fill a different element of, you know, the to get like a little technical with the storytelling, like I have something I want to say with this story and I'm kind of creating these kids to like fill a point of view for it. So you have Gail, who is kind of a disgraced softball pitcher. So I wanted a character nice. that had kind of been a hero in her own story. And uh, I, I I love sports fiction. Like I love Friday Night Lights and, and um, sports movies in general. So I wanted to pull a character from like, a trope like that and then take it all away from her and stick her in like this kind of like adventure filmmaking story. So that's the main character that you're following. It's, it's basically her coming of age. And then you have this kid, Elijah, and he's like, like the kid with the camera and all the privilege. And he's the one that's kind of like, he he knows that he knows what Jaws is really. Whereas the other kids don't because Jaws doesn't exist yet, but this kid knows like horror film and he, he like gets to know, one of the prop makers that's there. And he's kind of the insight into that kind of nerdy technical jaw stuff. Like he's obsessed with his camera. He like knows who the editor on the film is and like points that out. And then you've got the kid who's the director who reveals like, I don't want to spoil any of it, but she, she pulls back the curtain on what the real story is that they're going to make their movie about. Cause they kind of set off without really a point, because if you've ever sat down to like with a camera, uh, or a comic book to like tell a story you realize, oh yeah, this is really hard. I don't know if I have anything to say. Um, <laughs> so Maddie is like the character who has something to say. And then there's Lex, who's a bit of the antagonist element. The story doesn't really have a villain because I kind of wanted it to be, you know, really real world based, but she's mm-hmm. antagonistic to some degree. And she's like the the head of the the athletic team. So she's kind of the jock and in a, a generic definition so those are the four component kids can you talk a little bit about the um the art style Uh, i feel like you do a great job of capturing that sort of goonies youth but uh you talk about the like the that coming of age moment like i feel Mm -hmm. like all your characters eyes are sort of having that like adulthood panic set in (laughs) and i just can you talk about uh, that for a little bit yeah um i guess i could point a lot of that back to maybe my biggest influence, like Jeff Smith and his book Bone. So if you've never read Bone, like classic cartoon fantasy adventure, a little- Justin, have you heard of Bone? Anybody heard of Bone? I talk about Bone a lot to the point Uh, that Pete doesn't like to hear about it anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, uh, it's my (laughs) time. From me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You, please. I'd love to get a fresh uh, take on it. Well, the way the way the bone element that comes in and if people listening, if you don't know what bone is, just kind of Google a screenshot. So it's a really unique story in that uh, there's the bone characters. They're like extremely cartoony and a Walt Kelly, also Disney, like Donald the Duck ish style. But they're juxtaposed with not more realistic, but a a little bit more of a a grounded cartoony style. And uh, I just thought that. That really like impressed me as a kid. There, I didn't realize there was nothing else that looked like that. And if you tried to pitch a thing like that today, you wouldn't get it made because it's no. a weird pairing. You know, so weird. It, yeah, but it's, it's too so well. 
yeah, it's kind of a Roger Rabbit thing where it's like two colliding aesthetics uh, in a way. But, uh, you know, a lot of the expressive way that um, I draw faces, I think, comes from Jeff Smith's cartoon aesthetic and the way characters can feel kind of grounded until suddenly they just burst into like a sense of realization or panic. Uh, and uh, I, I wanted that to be an element of my story. So it's like I, I have this like darker story I want to tell, but then there is this really silly <laughs> urge to draw faces like in very vibrant, explosive expressions. Yeah. So that's probably my biggest influence there with, with the look of this. Um, I love, I love to hear. And I, I agree. Like there, it, so many of my favorite things are that sort of like, this is a fun thing. And it's like, actually there's this sort of hard fantasy element that is going to really draw you in and become so intense. Yeah. Like it, adventure time. Um, uh, mm -hmm. The last airbender, like all those things. Yeah. It feels like, look at this fun kids show. And it's like, actually it's very serious and deep and you're, <laughs> you're trapped in it now. Yeah, exactly. You kind of get lured in. And like Calvin and Hobbes was that like that yes. in a way, you know, uh -huh. you, you, mm -hmm. on first glance, you're like, oh, jokes. But you're like, oh, wait, philosophy. OK, yeah. um, and then you're, you're it. I love it. Right? I yeah. love humor. Humor's the bait. Get em. Exactly. Totally. So Shark Summer is out on stands and at bookstores now, or obviously yeah. you can order it online if you're still not going out to stores, which is fair. Uh, but what is next for you? What else do you want to plug, if anything? Uh, I guess I can, no one's told me not to talk about this either. So I, I'll hint at it. So it's kind of a sequel in a way that it's set in the same world. It's the next year. And we follow the filmmaker kid, Elijah, as he travels to, we can say like a, a certain hotel in the Colorado yes, with like love it. a certain love carpet, uh, you know, a certain, you're talking angry, about like, the Hilton, Colorado, which is a uh, very nice I place. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a sponsored. Mm -hmm. A sponsor. haunted <laughs> continental breakfast where the toaster doesn't quite work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that. I think, you know, you were touching on that throughout the interview. And I think one of the great things about the book is that you really liberally take these things that are identifiable, explicitly Jaws, of course, but like you were calling out Goonies, Friday Night Lights, other things, but you make it feel like something fresh and new. So if you are going to do it with the Hilton Garden Inn in Colorado or perhaps yeah. some other hotel, potentially, I think that's a, that's a fun thing to keep hitting. I'm very excited to check that out. Cool, yeah. Thanks. Uh, one, one last question from the comments. Um, Nat Towson says, I would like to know if uh, Ira likes the movie Super 8. Yeah, you know what? I actually do. I, I'm, but I love any like Spielbergian thing, and um, maybe it's not a perfect movie, but it's definitely like I've seen it a billion times. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Super Eight is one of those movies just that feels it was, good. It, it was a it was a good movie. It felt good, and that, that's a movie that has just vanished from the. the I know. It's I weird. Think it was it was just the wrong time for J.J. Abrams specifically, where everybody had turned the quarter against him. So yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a little redundant. Maybe maybe it doesn't have a whole lot to say. We could, you know I don't know, but uh, it's fun. It feels good. Yeah. It's popcorn. Good production value. Uh, good production train crash. Good. Yeah. Love a good yeah. train crash. True. Yeah. Ira, thank you so yes. much for coming on. Congratulations on the book. Yeah, Thanks, looking guys. forward to the nice next to one. You. Yeah, all right. See you Great talking time. to you. Bye. Great book. All right, once again, that is Ira Marks. The book is called Shark Summer. It's out from Little Brown and Company right now. And as we mentioned, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, We're enjoy it. And it's pretty much all ages. It's like YA level a little bit. So if you're looking for something that you can add to older kids or older adults, either way, that's out. Hand it to an older adult. 
<laughs> hey, Grandpa, here's a picture book. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right. his dad's going to love it if he can just get off this bender he's been on since Jesus Pete's birthday. Jesus Christ. He's, like, right over there right now just partying, and I'm just like, Dad, calm down. Dad, I'm doing my podcast. Dad, stop it. I'm doing my podcast. We're going to bring in our next guest. Stupid podcast. Jeffrey Brown. He is the creator of Total Waste of Space Time, which is out now from Crown Books. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Brown, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk about this. But before we get into the book, it's been fascinating to watch your career. Obviously, probably fascinating for you, too, to experience it. (laughs) Yeah. But I. It's, I mean, it's actually kind of boring for me. But, oh, it's boring because you yeah, lived it. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, you're <laughs> continuing to live it. Well, but you started off with this very confessional, mm-hmm. personal comic creator, and now you're the Star Wars guy. Like, you're... <laughs> <laughs> What what has it been? I mean, you are more than that, and we are going to talk about more than that. But I think that's kind of amazing to see it go from these very small comics that we love to these huge comics that we also love. So, what has this experience been like for you? Yeah, I you know it's it's strange because I think drawing Star Wars was one of the like the childhood dreams I had, and the way I came into it, like I couldn't have planned. And it, you know, it came from the autobiographical work for adults and it just kind of naturally, like everything is just kind of, I just kind of like, oh, well, I guess this is what I'll do next. And, <laughs> um, and I just kind of have been following, following things and like whatever I feel like, like doing. So yeah, it's, um, it is like, it's weird to make the jump from like my first book, Clumsy, which is like explicit adults relationships um not for kids and then like you know doing the stuff like a total waste of space time which is middle grade and definitely for kids and and like the contrast between those two seems like a lot but then if you if you follow things like you know the change bots transformers parody i did and and like even darth vader and son you know kind of walks the line between being for kids and adults and so it like from book to book or project to project it seems more natural but yeah it's weird to like think about the, like it's also i mean it's even weird like you like to hear, to hear people swear on the podcast and like wait i'm an adult i can i can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I a, like i'm so used to like you know you you go to an elementary school to give a talk and it's just like being a different person sometimes so we do the same thing. We do the podcast regularly at elementary schools, and we curse yeah. up a storm. It's yeah. like yeah. It's disgusting. We usually get thrown out. Yeah, well, teachers are like, "Why yeah. did I invite you here?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, that all said, it's interesting to hear you bring up amazing change bots because that was the big thing that sort of came to mind immediately on reading a total waste of space time because it feels like there is a direct connection there. This is the, I believe, second book in the series. Yeah. It is very fun. It is very creative. Yes. We got both of them there. Talk about the basic concept of the book for anybody who might not have picked it up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, so the first book starts out, you know, it's just introducing uh, G-Day, G-Day and Petra um, to humans on Earth. And um, it's a set in the future when when we've been visited by aliens and, um the first book kind of sets sets them up to travel to Mars where they meet the other 
ast- kid astronauts, but you know they're kids, but they're aliens, and so then they end up on the spaceship with minimal s- adult supervision. Um, it's basically robots, and then there's there's one human astronaut, and there's Toby the alien who um, is not super responsible, I guess. And um, the second book is they kind of they're kind of taking a tour and visiting everyone's home planets. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's kind of um, more along the lines of of like a Star Trek kind of idea where you know just exploring the galaxy for exploration's sake I'd, i wanted to take a break from you know having the like the fate of the universe hanging in the balance <laughs> yeah. all the time and, yeah. and you know like it's it's interesting enough to go you know visit a black hole or sure or something well that's one of the things that i really like about the book is that it is these chapter stories that you're hitting throughout it versus epic stakes and the end of the universe. Um, where along the line did that choice happen? Was there a point when maybe you would take these characters and think, okay, we are going to do a multi-part epic adventure and then it got reduced or was this always where it, it lived? Yeah. I think I always wanted it to be kind of more episodic and, you know, just, you know, have, have the opportunity to like kind of focus on, little jokes and um yeah again like not not worry about like the kind of the the like this grand epic thing although for them it you know like there it's their adventure so it is kind of epic i guess but um and there is maybe like a little bit of a a plot of you know them traveling and maybe they get lost or something but you know i i just really just wanted to like just draw some funny ideas I had about exploring <laughs> space. And so, um, yeah, it seemed like, like this was a good vehicle for that. Uh, from a, from a humor perspective, how do you um, sort of modulate uh, the jokes? Do, are you, you, are you writing them out and just being like, here's what I think is funny. And then being like, ah, that one's a little, that's not quite right. That one's a little uh, too old or the wrong reference or something like that. Um, and then you go back through, or is it just like you're in that frame of mind from the beginning? Um, it's a little bit all over the place. So, you know, I, I, I have like a notebook that'll have lots of ideas. And like, I, you know, I have some ideas for jokes, like, um, like in the first book you you find there's a, there's this cat, but the cat is actually a mouse that's been genetically modified by the aliens. And, but they genetically modified it so that it is a, genetically a cat so like, that was just like this idea i had and i was like oh that that'll fit in here um and then sometimes you know so i'll have ideas like that and and i kind of go through as i'm figuring out what the the story will be like where where different jokes can fit in and then i'll also know like here's a here's a place in the story where i need there to be some joke but i don't know the joke yet and i'll literally in the rough draft i might just write in the panel just in parentheses joke and then, you know, <laughs> instead of trying to like bang my head against the wall, figuring out the joke right then. Um, and then as I like, you know, work on it and then, you know, the idea might come later. So it's just, and then it's, you know, my editor sometimes would, would come through and, and she would say, you know, like this, I don't really get this. And I was like, no, that's funny. Like I'm leaving <laughs> it in there. And then other times, other times, like I, she would say that and I'd be like, oh yeah, I know. Um, 
I'm yeah. still trying to like think of like the better joke, and until I think of a better joke, I'll just leave that one there. So it's just, yeah, it's a you know I try to you know be in the mindset, but it's you know still like a process of especially if, you know like they're trying to come up with four or five jokes per page. That's it's a lot of it's a lot a lot of jokes. <laughs> well, and it's I love hearing that because I feel like so many people who consume comedy um, maybe don't know that it is that sort of like beat you're always trying to just beat your jokes and uh mm -hmm. people and everyone's like oh it's all one thing it's like actually no it's like 50 things i'm just trying to raise the level on each of them as i'm going yeah. through yeah i mean similarly uh, talking about sci-fi tropes when you're hitting stuff like that i'm curious you probably know very well from comic book fans that people could be real jerks about internal consistency and things like that. Are <laughs> kids the same way? Or do you find there's a little more leeway in terms of, ah, it's okay if the robot does this one time and um, it does this other thing another time. Weirdly, like they're both like, because mm -hmm. kids can be like brutally honest. And like, like when I did my Neanderthal series, the series I was working on before space time, which was, I did a lot of research and there's a lot of like, factual information built into the books and you know kids would would write and like actually this is like what neanderthals blah 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 and like and then i you know it's like it's like no i did the research like <laughs> the current understanding is this um and so like but then at the same time yeah kids will like they'll you know they're able to suspend disbelief it's like you know it's like i have two sons one's 14 and one's eight and i'll read with them at bedtime and the eight-year-old is just like whatever goofy fun thing and i'm reading with my 14 year old and it's like every page he's like wait that doesn't make sense because of this <laughs> and this and um yeah so like kids kids they like the the readers for the for the the age group of middle grade they seem to like they kind of vacillate back and forth between like being totally like, okay with anything goes. And then, and then like, wait a minute, like that in way back in 20 pages before this, this is the thing. So you messed that up. I love that you've managed to have like the perfect, uh, ages of your uh target group in your in your family. <laughs> you can hit both sides, uh, by going between different bedrooms. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good test a test market I've got like cuz I can yeah. it's like okay like uh, I bring the fart jokes here and then like <laughs> yeah. like the more subtle like you know the jokes about the AI uh over here I love the idea of you sitting down with both your kids and focus grouping this like okay um fart joke for sir for you and uh this will be coming a little bit more for you over here yeah uh, you have a bunch of other things you're working on at the same time, in addition to a waste of space time. One of the things you're working on a Batman project, I believe. Yeah. So, and I think it's just about wrapped up. I can I can show you a little this um, little sneak peek that I think it's in in the back of one of the other DC Kids books that came out. But it's called oh, Batman wow. and Robin and Howard. And so it's of course you know there's Batman, uh, Cape Crusader, Defender of Gotham, uh, and um, secretly billionaire bruce wayne and then what? um and in my in my story robin is damian wayne bruce's son and yes. damian gets sent to this new school where there's um just this kid howard so that's it <laughs> i love it. yeah so howard is kind of like the all-star and then of course damian shows up and damian's like you know like i'm a superhero i'm the all-star and they're kind of they kind of start out as rivals and 
and then um, you know, have to figure out how to work together. And, uh-huh. and it, they, with, with the Batman side of it, it was like just kind of thinking about like how my kids view me. And it's like, um, <laughs> it's like I can, I can do things like I'm on a comic book podcast talking about books I made. And my kids are like, yeah, whatever, dad, you're not, you're not cool. You're the Howard. Thank you. Are. And so I thought like, it'd be really funny to see Batman through Damien's eyes of like, it's like, no, my, my dad's Batman, but he's like, he's a total goofball. Like he's so awkward. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's fun to, to kind of work with those characters. And yeah, that'll be out in November. This is a question from Nat uh, in the comments here, and I actually have a follow-up question about it. He says, I'm curious how Jeff now feels about the brutal honesty of his earlier memoir work. And uh, I'm curious, in a reverse of what we talked about earlier, do you find any of your younger readers have aged up enough where then they look back and say, hey, I found this book you wrote called Clumsy, and then they start reading that? Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's mostly, it's like the the people who read the autobiographical work when it was coming out have grown up and now have kids. And so they're reading all the kids books right. with, uh, with their the kids. So, <laughs> so yeah, so, so far it hasn't, I haven't seen it go the other way really, but, um, and it's weird because it's, I mean, I think, I think it's just those books, even, even before I started doing kids stuff, it, it was weird how they would find their, their audience. Like people would just kind of know, like pick them up and like, know like, this is something that's going to speak to me or like, no, nope, this isn't my thing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I feel it's, it's looking back. I, I don't know how I made those books. Like I, I don't feel like I can make things the same way. I mean, obviously now it's different, you know, having kids and like writing about them is, is much different than writing about like, like someone you're just dating for a few months or something. Um, so, and, but I don't know. I like, I, for me, I like those books were always just about the, the point of being brutally honest was just to like put it all out there and um, to show like how flawed we all are and accept, accept that like both for myself and hopefully like if, if you're reading it, like you can learn something about yourself maybe, but you know, so I, I think they, I don't know how they hold up. I guess we'll see because next year actually top shelf is collecting the, the three relationship books in, in oh, like wow. a single volume. So we'll, awesome. we'll see, we'll see how, cool. how that see goes. But, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, yeah. I don't know. When you were saying you feel like you can't do that anymore, do you mean because you can't be that expositional in uh, something like that? I yeah, I think I think it's be I, part of it is just um, I've been doing like it's I've been doing kids stuff for so long, like I've been doing mostly kids books for the past uh, like almost ten years now, and so it's just wow. my mindset has gone more than that and. Yeah. and it makes sense because I have kids and so I'm like reading books with them and like I'm around them. And so it, it was just, it wasn't like a conscious decision. Like now I'm going to do this other thing. So like I've tried, I've tried to start writing a little more, get getting back into that, that autobiographical writing in my sketchbook at least. And um, it's just a different mindset. And, and then also I like, 
I don't know if I've, I'm ready to write about the things that I would write about. So like the last, the last autobiographical book I did was, was about my dad and religion. And my dad was a minister and it was just kind of these thoughts and, and, um, I, you know, that was like the last thing I was like, okay, I, I know what I, I kind of want to write about. And so I'm just, I, it's one of those things where I try not to, I'm, I don't want to force that. I just, sure. um, and so someday maybe I'll like something will click and I'll, I'll get back to that way of thinking. But, um, for now it's just, yeah, goofy aliens and star Wars. <laughs> I also feel like when you're a parent, especially of like younger kids, you're sort of always in the middle. It, it's hard to have those, like, like you're saying, mm-hmm. like these big, f- like complete thoughts because it's like, well, there's all the stuff that's always actively going on. So yeah, how do you yeah. have a complete thought about parenting when you're like literally doing it constantly? Yeah. And, and they, I mean, and like your thoughts change for like every couple of months. Cause like the kids change and like, it's, you know, it's like, it, it's weird. Like, you know, I'm like watching Loki with my 14 year old and, and it's like, sometimes I'll figure out like a movie that, like we we watched Gladiator or something, you know, oh, like, oh, wow. you know, it's just like, and it's, so it's weird to watch things with him differently. And then my younger son, like, wasn't into Adventure Time for a while. We just started watching Adventure Time, which I'd watched with my older son. And, you know, it's just, so it's, and it, but it's like month to month, week to week, like things change so much. And um, yeah, so it's, yeah, you're finding, finding the time to like, be reflective on that is is i don't yeah that might yeah. be like yeah like once they're future. off to college then i can future project something, write something to embarrass them yeah brutally <laughs> honest about your yeah. children <laughs> once they're out of the house uh on the flip side of things though you also have something new star wars coming out so yeah yeah so there's there is a new star wars book coming out too and it's um a vader family sithmas so <laughs> there's like luke and leia um, and it's, so it's, you know, it's maybe mostly Christmas, but it's not specifically Christmas, but, you know, it's a lot of holidays. There's some, you know, uh, classic Christmas <laughs> jokes and, uh, but, you know, just more about like the holiday season and lots of, so lots of uh, scenes on Hoth and things, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, I've slowed down on the Star Wars books, but, you know, it's still always fun to to like oh, yeah. play in that universe. So, yeah, I mean, my, my son's eight, he loves them. He's been reading them for years. They're great. He's super into them. So they're definitely hitting the right demographic. That's the important thing. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. The book is great. Uh, is yeah, there going to be right. more in the series beyond um, the second one here? Uh, yeah. So for now, this is, this is like the, the last for now so you know it's like another one of those things where um part of it is just burnout <laughs> like i was doing yeah the between the neanderthal books and space time it was just like like a, a full 256 page book every year plus wow. whatever else i was working on and and so i was kind of hitting a wall and then it didn't help that the pandemic hit right when the first book came out so it's like the series maybe it hasn't sold as well. And so I'm like, we'll see if I can, if I can revisit it. So there's, cause there's plenty of room 
with the characters. I mean, like I said, it's kind of inspired by like the idea of Star Trek, where you're just you get to explore the vast universe. And I have um, a whole sketchbook full of ideas, but I'm in, not in any particular rush to work on those necessarily. But yeah. Well, well cool. Uh, awesome. Jeff, again, thank you so much for coming on. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks. Great yeah, talking to you. Really great stuff. All right. Once again, that was Jeffrey Brown. The name of the book is A Total Waste of Space Time. It's out right now from Crown Books. And as mentioned, it's a lot of fun. Also, check out all the other things he does. Darth Vader and Son, this upcoming Batman and Robin and Howard book from DC. That sounds Very like super fun, fun too. Idea. I love yeah. that. And folks, we're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your... I... <laughs> I, let me audience just say, Alex, if you can't, there it is, audience questions yeah, is what it there is. is. There we go. There it is. All yeah. right. If you thought and... the sound is playing, it's definitely not, but that's fine. No, yeah. it's not. I... It's not playing. I had a little bit of a sound problem right before. I like that you were moving on as if it was playing. You moved on as if it was playing. I love it. There we go. Very excited about all that. And, you know, you know what's tough, you guys? What's You know what's tough? When people don't really like pick up on your, you know, subtle hints, you know, that's oh, really oh. tough. Like wh- whether there's subtle hints that you're segueing from the show portion of your podcast to an ad for this week's sponsor, or subtle hints that maybe you're a little hairy down there. It's tough when your friends don't pick up on what you're laying down. But luckily, I have a solution for all those problems. This week's sponsor, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Uh, I'm a, sorry, I'm still, still confused. Was this Miss Sound Cue as part of this, or is it not? <laughs> let, me, let me help you out. Let me help you out. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the incredible Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, and two free gifts Performance Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag. Wow. Okay. I think I'm starting to get it. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the one with. 7,000 RPM motor, uh, 4,000 K LED spotlights, and so much more, right? Oh, sure is, Pete. And you can tell Pete's being natural when he gets his face right up to the screen. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the, the Weed Whacker has a 9,000 RPM motor. That's a lot of um, ripples, if you know what I'm talking about. A dual blade system with proprietary skin safe technology. Proprietary. Now you, now you guys are getting it. Yeah. The deodorant and the briefs also have motors. Oh, you were so close, Pete. You almost got it. But then no motors. Oh. Uh, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. All right. All right. And now it's time for your audience questions. And for audience questions, this is pretty straightforward. You guys know how this works. If you're over on YouTube, drop a question in the comments over there, and I'll take a look for them. Over on Crowdcast, I see a bunch of questions already in Ask a Question. If you haven't gotten one in, feel free to do so. But first, Justin and I talked about what we were drinking. Pete, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, well, uh, I'm having a little bit of the huge. You know, a little bit of the old um, John Daly, if you will. That's the cocktail uh, you order at the bar, the huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, Palmer with some vodka. Ooh, oh, look at you. Nice. Champagne of beers. Whoop. Excellent. Miller Highlight, baby. 
All right, let's go to some questions here. This is from Josh over on Crowdcast. What is everyone's favorite shark? Apropos of shark shimmer. Shark uh, shimmer. Shark shimmer. Uh, Senator Shark Schumer. Um, favorite shark. A lot of options out there. You go with a scary one or a less scary one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah. throw out the hammerhead. Funny, weird, weird shark. Oh, you were going type of shark. Yeah. Not shark oh, saying... character. Yeah, I, I'm going to I don't know. I was thinking like King Shark or something like that. But yeah, and I, the I Harley Quinn about... animated series, that's the best shark uh, I've seen. So that's mm. what I'm going with. I thought you were going to say Jabberjaw P is what you really oh, should have said. Yeah. No, I'm getting flashbacks. I feel like we answered this question just a couple of weeks ago. We did. Um, <laughs> and that's why I was saying type of shark. Oh, okay. And I think uh, back then I also said Baby Shark, not a reference to the song, but actually like the baby sharks that they have at the New York Aquarium are very cute. Um, yes. Uh, are you a frequent aquarium visitor? I am a pretty frequent aquarium visitor. Yeah, you bring it up a lot. I love going you to do. the aquarium. There's not a lot to do there. It's a very small aquarium, but usually we make a day of it. We go to Coney Island, start out at the aquarium, go down the boardwalk, eat at Nathan's. We Ooh. used to go to the amusement What's park. What's your... Areas, but now you those are Nathan's? What do you get at Nathan's? I get two hot dogs. Oh, this is going to be a problem. This is a problem every time we talk about this. Yes, it is. <laughs> two hot dogs, mustard, and sauerkraut. Wow. My kids get lemonade. I'll usually have a sip or two of the lemonade. They get some crinkle fries. because I was going to say, you better fries. get some goddamn crinkle of fries. Of course. They're great. So I have a couple of those. But my order is the two hot dogs. Good choice. And Pete, what is on your trash hot dog? You know what it is. Ketchup and mustard, you know what I mean? You Disgusting. do a little stripey. What a, a, man who, like, what a, a man who doesn't make choices in his life chooses ketchup and mustard. No, you're on, it's you delicious choose a, together. Choose a side. Choose a I get side. it on my cheeseburgers. I get it on my hot dogs. Oh. I love Wait, it. You get ketchup and mustard on cheeseburgers? That's right. Grow up. Make some choices in your life. It's what about are you talking time. about? No, you can just enjoy all the flavors you want. That's the beautiful thing about life. Uh, of course, Whatever a man you're man into, you go right ahead. A man who eats garbage plates is, of course, a human trash can and doesn't care what garbage goes in plates, his mouth. Ketchup and mustard also yeah. on that. So, of course, because it's whatever's in the garbage. Uh, hot dog should be quick ketchup. question here. A hot dog should have... be topped with mustard and relish. We did have a quick question here choice. about the amusement parks at Coney Island. This is for New York fans only, but they changed the thing at the amusement park, so now you have to prepay admission versus paying per ride because of COVID mm. ostensibly, and then they jacked up the price of admission like another 20 bucks over the summer. So it's more expensive to go for a day at the teeny tiny theme park at Cody Island than it is for like a day at Great Adventure. And it's just, it's not worth it. Well, it will be a lowercase g Great Adventure <laughs> yeah. going to Coney Island. Uh, great question mark. Adventure? Wow, Nat in the comments dropping some Coney Island knowledge. Luna Park versus Dino's um, as the... <laughs> sure. I'm talking about Luna Park, Nat, not Dino's. Dino's is still paper ride. Sarah, without an H, says, come to Hershey Park. Guess what? I'm going to be there this weekend. So, done. Ooh, Alex, going out to PA for some fun. Sure am. I'm going to swing right past Pete. I don't have time. I'm sorry. I'd go straight oh. to Hershey <laughs> It's all right. Well, your dad's popping into Pete's place. No, it's weekend. actually for my son's birthday. We are taking him to Hershey Park for the weekend. So. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Have a chocolate birthday. Uh, this is from Kevin. What's a comic? Or... A chocolate martini while you're there. 
I'm I was looking at some of those drinks at Hershey Park. They look so sweet and so gross. They have a old fashioned with a Reese's peanut butter cup in it. These are the drinks you've been talking about for years. Yeah, I know. I was joking about it, and Hershey Park is like, "Oh yeah, fucker, come on, yeah, come on, (laughs) prove it. Put your money where your mouth is, asshole." The Salbin challenge. Drink all this poison you've been pushing. Kevin says, what's a comic or comic adjacent property that you go to when other parts of your life get you down? Ooh. Um, I, this is a sort of an easy answer, but I just go th- random pull from the old box. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just, I go into my massive stockpile of comics and I'll just do a random pull. Oh. Instant nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I just uh, went through a couple boxes that I found at my uh, my old house and found all these old, uh, like the Batman, the 10 cent adventure, which was tipping off um, Bruce Wayne murder and that whole Sasha Bordeaux stuff that I talk about a ton on this podcast. And just finding those issues, I was like, this is glorious. Pete, nice. what about you? What's your comfort comic? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I usually will go with it depend. it really depends on my mood like what i'm looking for you know what i mean if i'm looking for a pick me up or if i'm looking for a good cry you know what i mean sometimes i'll go with why the last man or um too cool to be forgotten for sure uh, book hunter also a feel good one for me i kill giants yeah that's a good one too nat uh but uh as far as like property i might just kind of like be like oh i'm gonna throw on the uh, you know, uh, fucking Planet Hulk. What's the goddamn thing I'm trying to think of in the movie World where War Hulk? Uh, no, no, no. In the the movie that was fun, the Thor one, where it was not Ragnarok. Uh, yes, Ragnarok. Thank you. It's a, not a book, really. Well, I was trying to do both. I was trying uh, to answer both because uh, it was appreciate it. I probably. Superman for all seasons always makes me very wistful, but I think I just like the rest of us. I have boxes of the comics that I've had as kids. And if I really wanted something with comfort, anything in there, like those original runs of Excalibur, Alpha Flight, New Mutants, X-Men, like prime Chris Chris Claremont era, that sort of thing. Just going through those boxes and discovering stuff and pulling out a couple of issues and reading them. Great. Just smelling the smell. Of course, small favors. Yes, of course. That's a different sort of comfort. (laughs) This is from Ramsey Hassan over on YouTube. James Gunn's Suicide Squad is dropping this weekend. What MCU filmmaker would you like to make which DC property, LOL? Ooh, interesting. MCU filmmaker, DC Comics property. I think you could probably pull Peyton Reed off the Ant-Man movies pretty easily and throw him on like a detective chimp movie or a blue and gold movie or something like captain that. Captain Carrot, something like that. Booster gold and yeah, or captain carrot, something, something fun. I bet he could do that. Mm-hmm. That's an easy one to one. Captain carrot. Who wants it? Who wants it? Pete? Somebody, somebody out there <laughs> loves it. He keeps showing up, but he could also do like, what was it? Shadow watch. Is that the name of the group? That was shadow packed, shadow packed. I think he could oh, kind yeah. of do a fun Shadow Pack movie because that's such a weird. I'd love to see John group. Favreau do a Shadow Pack movie. That would be awesome. You'd love to see John Favreau do anything. Yeah. That's true. He, he, he I'd love dances, for it. He, he, he tap dances through your dreams every night. Yeah, man. The person, uh, improv loves 
loves to do a little improv, keep things fresh. That guy knows what he's doing. Mm, what else? Justin, any ideas? Any directors you want to see cross uh, the road? Just slide <laughs> across the road. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's I want a good Superman movie mm-hmm. um, is what I want. Uh, and I don't know if if that's in who who i feel like we need something uh, a whole new vision here i mean this is another one-to-one but getting joe johnston i don't know if you'd consider him a marvel director but like get him on a classic superman movie and he'd kill it he'd do a great job because he always kills it when he does stuff like that Uh, i think that's good um mm, i think we covered it we got a good one here from a listener named Luana Nana. She says, my mom is visiting next week and wants to watch Comic Book Club with me. Is this the worst idea in the world or just medium bad? She oh, is worse. generally cool, but also kind of old and also my mom. Yeah. Well, why that's a great question. Us... And I think we'll all have the same perspective on it. Go ahead. Yeah, Justin. I have yeah, the same go. perspective, I think. Um, yeah, let us know what she's watching and we'll be on what it's collectively known as our best behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I uh, this this is weird because it's like uh, her mom's going to be visiting town and uh, part of me thinks make me I should not do the show and spend time with them both, uh, you know, if that's the better thing to do or be oh, no. on my best behavior on the live show. You know what I mean? We are great with moms, Pete. You know that. 100%. And honestly, Pete, when... Uh, Lawrence Olivier's um, uh, partner, Tom, was in town. He didn't skip a show. Do you think he he should, though? He did his best. He did his art. He practiced his art so that all could see it. So um, bring it. Uh, (laughs) Oh, who is the sponsor next week? That's a good question. It's still going to be ball trimmers and goddamn (laughs) what you call it. No, I think next week it's it's going to be wedding rings. Oh <laughs> Zales is sponsoring next week. Oh, is that oh, is that a problem? That's a, all right. They came cool. to us. They came to us. <laughs> it's yeah, you tell us so- what you want us to do. We'll really plus you up, Pete. Yeah, we'll great. Really talk great. you up. So it'll be all ball bag uh, commercials, and uh, I'll, yeah, I'm sure we want to do. We will not sell you down the river on this one. I no, have a feeling never. you will. I absolutely would not. Yeah. No, Pete, you, you can be the hero of the Manscaped commercial. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's hey, appropriate. Get that nasty talk out of here, you two. <laughs> you guys, grow up. I'm an adult. I'm. How, was this your Sweet 16 that I missed this week, or what's going on? Mm. Pete? What, what, do you, what Wait, does that you mean? You had your birthday. Was it your Sweet 16? Oh. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not as uh, young and and beautiful as I used to be. No. Uh, not well, in my I'm, eyes. Sorry, I missed it. Uh, I was at your Quincenera though, and that was lovely. Yeah. This is from Zachary H over on YouTube. What Star Wars characters would you base your children's book around? Ooh, nice. Chewbacca, no question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would happen in that Chewbacca? Chewbacca uh, would learn about killing people and how, <laughs> you know, if you rip somebody's arms off, mm-hmm. there's consequences. You know, it's an important lesson that every kid yeah. needs to learn. A young, salacious B. Crumb um, mm-hmm. learns what it's mm-hmm. like to uh, <laughs> to get a job on a pleasure oh. barge. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I think I would probably write Watto's first Hanukkah. Wow, nice. <laughs> Touching. Wow. 
<laughs> I mean, write that down. That's <laughs> that's a fun idea. Yeah, I would write that too. Yeah. Uh, great question. This is from Edward Doherty. If the Watto's season... first Hanukkah, I feel like, is what's happening right after the movie ends. So he's like, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> hey, there's a nights. Hey. If the CBC story was turned into <laughs> Image United Jam comic, who would draw each of your individual parts? Additionally, could you ask Pete why he gets so embarrassed when you ask to talk about shaving his scrotum? Here's <laughs> so I, I want to take the second question first. Here's the thing: Pete's yeah. not embarrassed about it. He loves talking about it, which was very confusing to me. Yeah, yeah. very it's surprising. Almost too much. We have to write him out of a lot of the. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I was very happy with the. Uh, the lawnmower 4.0, yeah, and the the light and everything, it, it works nice. So I was pumped to talk about it. But then these two old fogies were like, we don't use anything near a bone sack. <laughs> that was a really good impersonation of both yeah. of us. Yeah, that is how we sound. If the CBC story was turned into an Image United Jam comic, who would draw each of your individual parts? I want, want Jim Lee to draw my pouches. Mm. Mm, you do wear a lot of pouches yeah. so many pouches you gotta have it i'd i'd have todd mcfarland because there's always chains that are holding me down yeah oh, that's, that's true. true that's a good point um i guess eric larson because he would just keep drawing for the rest of his life he does draw <laughs> tight shirts and you like to rock a lot of tight shirts 100%. Yeah. i am a savage dragon to be no. fair if you're watching oh, the video version it would probably be rob liefeld because you can't see any of our feet that's <laughs> true. It's well, true. This is a dream job for Rob Liefeld. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Liefeld launches a new comic called Video Podcast. Nelson Martinez says, if you guys had Taskmaster's ability, which three fighting styles from any superhero would you mimic to bring to your fighting arsenal? Wow. Good call. Oof. Fighting styles. Yeah, that is a tough one because who has a truly distinct fighting well, style? So I have a question about Taskmaster. And I, I don't know the answer to this because he's always mimicking people like Spider-Man. So he's leaping like Spider-Man or Captain America. So he's throwing the shield like Captain America. What would happen if Taskmaster tried to mimic, say, Batman? Because Batman knows every fighting style and could adapt to any fighting style. So what does he do there? Uh, I would argue that Batman behaves a bit like a Taskmaster, like he mm -hmm. is always in the moment. And that's why I think um, Spider-Man is a good answer because... Uh, always improvising the moment um being able to be that just like don favreau oh so your taskmaster would be john favreau exactly yeah okay yeah he does a lot of i hate he's more of a mugging style when it comes when the camera lands on him he's like goink i yeah i would hope it would be um you know the hulk so that way you can do that like badass thunderclap move you know well i don't know if he could do that he could clap yeah. like the hulk but he can't do the thunderclap because he doesn't have those muscles yeah i guess uh, galactus would be the best fighting style so he yeah. just eat, <laughs> eat the whole planet. planet yeah that's how it works quite sure that's how his powers work but all right pete i would you do just to do three mcu characters so foggy nelson happy hogan <laughs> Mm -hmm. And microchip, or like, who's the third? No, one? microchip's your guy. Don't oh. put that on me. Whoa, I'm... Taskmaster's sitting style is epic. <laughs> <laughs> His tie is a little loose, just like a little loose, and he's very frazzled. Sitmaster. Uh, cool. Good question. This is from Nat Townsend. Who are your favorite artists who have started with indie auto bio work and then gone mainstream? 
Well, I'd have to say Jeffrey Brown. Yeah. Very good. Uh, very good. Topical. Um, I mean, that's a hard – you don't see a lot of that, I feel like. Um, yeah, that was the test from uh, Nat. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, we talked about Bone earlier. I mean, that book went from an indie book to a, a, a much more mainstream book. It was an image book for a long time before it went back to cartoon books. So I think that also passes Nat's weird test. Also, uh, Chris Hastings, because he used to be a doctor and a ninja for a while. Mm. And that's where he got his start. Yeah, that's a good one. Um I don't have an answer. I already said John. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Scott Carpenter. He said over on YouTube, the line of new Scott YouTube. Snyder comics has me rethinking comicsology. What's something that's made you question your morals? It's a weird way of phrasing it. Moral. But, uh, I will. So for those of you who haven't caught up with this news, Scott Snyder teased it quite a bit when he was on our show a couple of months back at this yep. point, I think. Yeah. When it was on the live show, but talked about a big announcement, and it was a big announcement, huge. Best Jacket, his self-pub line, has signed a deal with Comicsology and Dark Horse, where he is going to publish eight, I believe, new comic books with top-tier artists that he's worked some that he's worked with before, some new folks like uh, he's working with Greg Capullo. I'm honestly blanking on the rest of the names because that Uh, is like the top line thing. It's it's truly. Uh, you said Greg Capullo, uh, Francisco Villa, yeah, Jock. Like yeah. it's it's truly a lot of artists he's worked with in the past that he just loves and wanted to do. A, a and these are all because Amazon owns Comicsology. They are getting a very brief first look deal at his work, but they don't automatically go into development of Prime Video or anything like that. It's mostly comics first. He can develop them in other media, but it's all his rights. The The thing that was most surprising to me about that news, which I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it certainly felt that way, was that Scott is writing all of that stuff. Like, I expected him to be like, and we've got Charles Soule doing a book, and we've got this other guy doing a book, and Mariko Tamaki's doing a book, and whoever else. We've signed on to do this stuff, and we've got these great teams, but nope, it's all Scott and artists, which is wild. Yeah. That guy's going to be busy for a while. Uh, Pablo says, I bet he'd read them long ago. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he has a secret stash of eight ongoing comics necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I Let me throw out Paul Pope uh, as a Nat Towson answer of indie uh, comic guy who went mainstream. Uh, jumping over here to Stray Bullets question. Given the Jaws caused a huge shark backlash and set sharks to be viewed as humanity's enemy, do we have a responsibility to how we depict sharks, lions, predator animals, so people don't actively hunt the shit out of them? Hmm. I mean, I Shark Week just occurred recently, and I think that is one of the the wildly most popular things on cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think people are obsessed with sharks and, uh, and Sharknado is a great example of that. Of shark obsession. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's helping sharks um, in a lot of ways. It's definitely but I do not think, helping tar- tornadoes. Yeah. Um, I do think, uh, I don't think people, a lot of people are hunting sharks. I think people are scared of sharks um, unrealistically, but at the same time um, there are, are increased news items about shark attacks so the stress level is higher i think i think it depends i mean yes there is a certain responsibility to present this stuff responsibly but at the same time 
I think you need to trust the audience at least a little bit. Like something like Jaws, yes, it did create a panic, but that's not 100% Steven Spielberg's fault or Jaws's fault or anything like that because they presented it as one massive shark who is attacking people as a beach. They weren't like, this is a true story documentary scenario or anything like that. There are films that have done much worse, that have tried to cause panic in people and have tried to play off that. But instead, what something like Jaws is trying to do is just like play off basic fears of the unknown. Like, what is under the water? We don't necessarily know. What if it's something that's going to bite your legs off, you know? So, again, it really, it's a fine line and everybody's going to view it differently. So nobody is going to have the same answer about anything. But I think ultimately you got to let, People what they do what they're going to do in terms of art, but also try to think about it as responsibility as you're doing it, and hopefully that is executed in the right way. Yeah, and I mean the real villain of Jaws are people. The name of that movie shouldn't be Jaws; it should be bureaucracy. Yeah, it should be Whoa. the mayor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the real threat. The, it done, should be. What is... are you all running from? Yourselves. Yeah. Good. We got two quick last questions here. This is from Pablo Di Martinez. Why is there not a trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home or that Matrix sequel yet? I mean, they're both coming out in December, so there's still time. We don't need <laughs> trailers this early necessarily. I know Spider-Man fans are losing it because people keep saying, great news, the Spider-Man trailer is coming next week, and then it doesn't. But like... It'll come out, and then you'll see the movie. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't want to dismiss people, but I don't know how much yeah, it don't matters. Dismiss people. Well, and also, I feel like the you know Marvel's very careful with their hype train, mm-hmm. and the hype train just uh, finished up at a pretty exciting couple of stations with Loki and Black Widow. Like it's pulling into Spider Man Ville in a second, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, and there is the whole tricky thing with it's Sony and Marvel at the same time, and they're not exactly at odds, but they want different things. So. There's a lot of moving pieces and coordination. It'll probably come out soon. And the marketing budget for these movies is almost as big as the budget for the movie. So mm-hmm. definitely people are calculating this to be the to releasing at a time when it, it will have the biggest impact impact on everyone, including us. So absolutely. Um, and same thing with the Matrix. I think they just don't want people they want whatever the first view of the Matrix four is, that needs to be something groundbreaking like it needs to be something that's like this is why we made the matrix for but that movie is made by robots because they're trying to take over yeah, oh, no it's probably oh, it's a spoiler dude so that's bad that one's bad we yeah, don't see matrix one, four and the spider-man no way home was actually made by spiders which is also bad Oof. this last question eye. here is a great fi- eye great great eye multiple eyes Follow-up from Luana Nana. Follow-up, uh, which of your moms have watched Comic Book Club? Oh, wow. Which I learned. I was, I was home for um, for the 4th of July and stayed upstate for a while. I learned my mom listens to every episode. She what? Right now. I was like, <laughs> what? Why? Oh, my <laughs> God. Hi, Mrs. Tyler. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I, I got you have a great think- son. I got to imagine she's tuning out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But, or at least I hope. Wow. Does she have uh, notes for you? Is that how you finally found out? Or is she like. No notes. No notes. How did you stumble across that? I think she, maybe she just throws it on. It's just like white noise. (laughs) Sleep by. Yeah. (laughs) Just to hear your voice. 
but but yeah, I uh, I was very surprised to hear that. And let me be honest, she said it, and I was like, that's weird, but didn't change my behavior at all. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't my my mom how long have we been doing the show like almost 15 years at this yeah, point something like that longer than that of course longer than that when i mentioned it to my mother hey it's tuesday i'm gonna be doing the comic book club show still 15 years in, it's like blank stare wow <laughs> has no idea what it is my mom always asks me the next day how was the comic book show <laughs> oh, was good, Mom. I forget your mom is only four inches tall. Yep. <laughs> hey, Pete, I'm in your pocket. How was the show? <laughs> Could you give me a tiny little sandwich? Just a nub um, of bread, please. Uh, yes, uh, to Edward Doherty's question, does Justin's mom want a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics? Yes, <laughs> definitely. She's definitely firsthand up, Mom, her up. coming through. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. Do we have a person or are we? We sure do. I'm going to bring him into the stream right, right Been now. Been a lot of trivia. heat in this episode of Comic Book Club. <laughs> All right. Today's trivia is on top. Comic news and our guest here. Whoa! (laughs) What's up? Hey, Hey, it's uh, Nat Lificent himself. Burdened with glorious purpose. Oh, it's Loki, not Maleficent. Loki. Oh, give it getting real glorious purpose. It's from Maleficent too. I never threw this away after Comic Con 2018. Oh, Mistress of Evil. Uh, oh I my God. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. There's oh. a giant rat but that just I ran do across feel your something bed. like feel something of a misunderstood villain uh, sometimes. I don't know with relation to this show, so I, I felt it was an appropriate outfit. Uh, Absolutely, I, th- I think it is. I, I feel like I don't know. Certain people are disproportionately angry at me sometimes. <laughs> well, Dan, winning you... this winning this gift card will really change all that. Yeah. All right, Pete, <laughs> take it away. All right, all right. today's trip is on cop. Topical comic news and a small nod to legend Jackie Mason. Uh, please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Hey, real quick, I just want to mention I saw Jackie Mason in Times Square once. Okay, oh, fun fact. That's R.I.P. topical. That's topical. R.I.P. R.I.P. Real quick before it starts, I just want to say Jackie Mason is a comedy legend and also a psychotic Zionist. Go on. Okay. Scott Snyder signed a massive deal with Comixology and blank. Is it A, DC, B, Dark Horse, or is it C, Marsha Warfield? I, I, I think I got to go with uh, uh, A. B, Dark Horse, because we were just talking yes. about we were just it. Talking I was about thinking it. about it, but I don't think I'm going to go there. Is there a raccoon we'll behind you? Pete, what are uh, the odds there's a raccoon behind me? <laughs> And let's Very not high. forget about Marsha Warfield's um, deal that she's recently signed. Yeah, yeah. If you can sign with Marsha Warfield, you're killing it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Question number two. What amazing actor is voicing Bruce Wayne in Batman Unburied? Is it A, Winston Duke, B, Greg Pak, or is it C, Frank Welker? So is it A, Winston Duke, or is it B, Greg Pak? I gotta, I gotta there? go with. I gotta go with A. A I is think that's correct. correct. Wow. Frank Walker would be pretty good too. 
Yeah, it's true. It was a fun. Yeah, there were some of... real options in this one. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Last one. Jumanji meets blank is Jeff Lemire's a new book called Maze Book. Is it Jumanji meets a horror, b sci-fi, or is it c Randy Quaid? Oh God, so it's, I hope it's either. Randy Quaid. I mean, it's it should either be. a. <laughs> so you can get twenty-five dollars, or you could be completely wrong. <laughs> um, well, Jumanji meets Randy Quaid is actually my upcoming project. I'm uh, <laughs> really upset that you spoiled it because we don't have the rights to either. But you do have Quaid. You do have like, Quaid. We, on board. we got Quaid on board. He said he will do this or so any now, movie. Uh, can we talk about the plot of this because it's really cool? So it's a bunch of kids discover an old box of Randy Quaid in their basement, and they're like, <laughs> I don't know, should we play this? And they play it. They get and then sucked they, in. Yeah, they get sucked into Randy Quaid, and it's like a whole Osmosis Jones type thing. I was going to say, Osmosis, John Malkovich, but, yeah. but all right. Yeah, Osmosis Jones, definitely the reference we all wanted there. I feel like Randy Quaid <laughs> believes that board games um, do uh, suck you in, so it may be just a documentary we could be filming here. Yep. And, uh, uh, hey. well, congratulations. Yeah, you, you won it. <laughs> you won it. Congratulations. Uh, and Thank you, Pete. I'm Catherine sorry I missed your birthday. Yeah, that hurt, man. That hurt. I, I told you I had up. to go to town. He was partying with my dad. He was partying with my dad. It was cool. Now I had to go to a place where the vaccination rates were comfortably under 50%. Yeah, down there you're a king, or in this case, a maleficent queen. <laughs> a, a misunderstood prince. Now, before we <laughs> let you go, you have a show on Thursday people could check out, right? I do, and if Mrs. Tyler or anyone else would like to watch that show. <laughs> hi, uh, Justin's mom. You and you only should know that I have a show called PowerPoint Roulette. It's this Thursday at Caveat in New York City, but it's also going to be a live stream for you people who are currently watching a live stream and therefore love watching live streams. And it's a show where comedians have to present PowerPoint presentations that they've never seen before. Mm. Uh, It's very fun. And uh, it's definitely an original concept that we came up with and no one's ever done before. So for those two (laughs) reasons... Uh, ours is really good, though. We have a real scientist come on, and then a, a comedian has to present the scientist's real presentation, and then I interview them afterwards about how well they did. We have a rapper who's going to do uh, a song inspired by a presentation. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Matt always runs Thursday. a great show. He runs Thank a great you, show. Justin. He has for years, and no matter what it is, def check this out. I agree. Absolutely. And I'm dropping that link right here for all Ooh, the live yeah. viewers. And I'll put it in the Patreon. If you guys don't subscribe to the Comic Book Club Patreon, you should probably do that just to get this link. Uh, uh, I'll even say where the show is. Um, it's a, a caveat here in New York City. Uh, That's right. In the uh, tri-state area. There you That's go. That's right. 7 p.m. this Thursday, July 29th at Caveat. That's 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to figure it out in another time zone, you do the math. <laughs> awesome nat congratulations on the gift thank card you. to midtown comics we'll send that right off to you and have a great night enjoy thank mistress you. of evil oh, I will. on disney plus can't wait to check it out okay yeah, bye. yeah. later all right there we go i just wanted to say before uh yes uh kevin was right it is caddyshack 2 was the movie you were paying tribute to that jackie mason replaced rodney dangerfield in yep I believe it's known as everyone's favorite Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, it's got some great moments. Does it? Don't one. It. one. I'm doing it right now where Dan Aykroyd is being like, no, I think you will be having. It's a very funny uh, bit where he's been working the kind of food truck. 
Mm. That does sound fun. Miss, Mrs. Uh, Zesterhaus. Great. Very cool. As we all know, comics are cool. What comics are you guys looking forward to that are coming out this week? Pete. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. There's a lot of great stuff. Uh, super, I have two. Superman, Son of Kal-El, number one, I was really impressed with. And Beta Ray, Bill, number five. Yeah, that's the last issue of that title by Daniel Warren Johnson. You love him. Justin, what are you looking forward to? Great issue. I mean, I I talk about this book a lot, but um, I guess and it's weird because I am the sort of fan of it on this podcast. But um, there's a new issue of Headlopper coming out tomorrow. That's really good. Headlopper number 16. Mm -hmm. Um, This series is super fun. It's quarterly um, by Andrew McLean and Jordi Belair. And it's like... Uh, it's like playing Zelda when you're a kid. It's that level of joy and pleasure uh, watching these adventurers go through the business. Definitely pick it up as the super fan. I say that. I'm looking forward to Gru beats Tarzan number one from Dark Horse Comics. I was obsessed wow. with Gru when I was younger. That makes sense. And I'm very curious to check it out years later, see if it holds up in the same way. We're going to be talking about all of those titles in the stack podcast that rolls out in the comic book club feed. And also in its own dedicated stack feed Wednesday at 9 a.m. So definitely check that out. And folks, that is it for this week's shoe. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Ira Marks for coming on to check out Shark yeah. Summer, which is out now. Also, Jeffrey yeah. Brown. Go check out A Total Waste of Space Time. Also yeah. out now. Next week on the show, we're going to have two more great guests for you. Alex Schumacher will be here to talk about Mr. Butterchips. Also, John Lazar will be here to talk about Marguerite versus the Occupation. A couple of other things to plug that we got going on. You can check out Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We are delving into Phase 2 right now. We had our first episode going into Iron Man 3 with one of the actors featured in Iron Man 3, Adam Pally, who yeah. played Gary the Cameraman. Super fun podcast. Definitely check that out. Also, Riverdale, Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast. We dropped a special episode yesterday of that delving into the new trailer. And of course, episodes are coming back very soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. Patreon.com slash comic book club to subscribe and support the show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live dot com for this podcast and many more until next time good night good night mom see you good night miss tyler good night we'll, justin will be right up justin will be back up we're just finishing up the game miss tyler At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.